This morning I want to talk to you uh, about faith for your assignment. Faith for your assignment. Everyone in this room has an assignment. I want to tell you about a sermon series I preached about 10 years ago now that cost me thousands and thousands of dollars to preach the assignment, to preach the sermon series. Um, the sermon series was entitled, Today Matters. Today Matters. And basically I was saying in the sermon series, um, what you do today has an impact on tomorrow and has an impact on the rest of your life. In fact, there's, there are certain days that are hugely consequential in your life. Uh, like, for instance, when I graduated from high school, uh, all the theologians showed up at my house and they wanted to interview me because they saw it as another proof there was a God. And um, I, I, high school was the best seven years of my life. And um, so it, it was a consequential day for me. Um, there are other days in your life that are consequent. The day you, you got married, the day you were divorced, the day you brought children into the world, the day you, any, any one of a number of things. So today really does matter. It has an impact on the rest of your life. And so my wife was listening to that sermon. And even that is you know, somewhat consequential that she would be listening. And, and my wife heard me and she said she decided that day that she was going to get her master's degree. And that's where the thousands and thousands of dollars came in. You know, it cost me a lot of money, that sermon. And, and, and so she goes out and she gets her master's degree in pastoral counseling. She did not know for what she was going to use the degree, but she knew she was going to use it. And today she is a hospice chaplain using the, the very degree that God spoke to her about 10 years ago. It's interesting that there are two things that were necessary. First, she had to know what her personal assignment was, and at that time, her personal assignment was to get her master's degree in pastoral counseling. That was the first part of her assignment. The second part was she had to have faith in God to step out into that assignment in long-term obedience, because as you know, getting that graduate degree is not something you get in a month or two months or six months or even a year. It took quite a few years, and she did it, and she had faith that God was somehow going to use that assignment, although she couldn't see it when she was doing it. So one of my many definitions of faith, and you have heard lots of definitions on faith, faith is your immediate and joyful. Say, immediate and joyful. I hate to, I hate to, hate to do that when I uh, say this, say that. I don't, I don't mean to be sound like I'm... I'm, I'm uh, uh, demanding of you to say these things. But faith is your immediate and joyful obedience to the known will of God. Somebody says, what's faith, Pastor? Pastor, what, tell me what faith is. Just in a nutshell, I always say faith fundamentally is this. It is your obedience to the known will of God. What has God told you to do? You may say, well, I don't have, I didn't hear the audible voice. I didn't, I didn't see it written in the clouds. I didn't have somebody come up and give me a problem. Hey, Maybe God just told you, don't tell a lie today. And in, as an act of faith and obedience, you're in a situation where the pressure's on, where it would be easier to lie than it would be to tell the truth, but you tell the truth. That's an act of faith. Your faith is always related to your obedience. So faith is your immediate and joyful obedience to the known will of God for your life. Faith is active obedience to God's plan for you. Faith is active obedience to God's plan for you. So whatever God says to do, you do. 
I think of my colleague, Micah Marshall, who's here today. When he came to this area many years ago now, when he came to this area, he was a, he was a youth pastor in a local church. And in faith and obedience, he came and he did that very thing. And as he did that very thing, what happened? God came along and, and gave him a whole new kind of vision for youth ministry in a community. And it's not just a local church ministry now. It's multiple churches involved, and it's in multiple campuses. And now there's hundreds and hundreds of young people on a, on a weekly basis meeting somewhere under the banner of what I used to call Refuse Youth Ministry, and it's called Refuge, and uh, Refuge Youth Ministry. And it's one of the most avant-garde and, and, and contemporary youth ministries in all of America. And I say that's because someone stepped out in faith and became obedient, and then just kept taking obedient steps, not because it's easy, not because it was convenient, not because there was money in it, but because he hears the word of the Lord, he hears God's voice, he responds in obedience, and he has faith for his assignment, and the assignment comes to pass, and all the church gives glory to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and give glory to Jesus. So we thank the Lord for it. So... It is action toward the will of God for your life. That is what faith is. Now, one thing that every believer needs to know is what is your personal assignment. Do you know the reason why you exist? Do you know your purpose? Do you know the reason why your church exists? Do you understand its purpose? Do you know the reason why God brought your family on this earth? You can read about it in Acts chapter 17, where God even says, He placed you here to live in the community in which you live at the exact time he expected you to be around. And, and the Apostle Paul says, as one of your own poets has says, he says in Acts 17, he says, as one of your own poets says, in him we live and we move and we have our being. And so you are here for a purpose. You have an assignment. Now you may be saying, well, I'm older now. My assignment's over. I'm sorry, your assignment's not over. You don't get to retire in this deal. Joy Dawson just went to be with the Lord. How many know who Joy Dawson is? Anybody know who Joy Dawson is? Joy Dawson uh, was, is, was big and in, in, uh, she herself was not large. Um, but she was a well-known figure in, in Youth with a Mission and, and traveled all over the world. And Joy Dawson, in the last few years of her life, ex ex experienced excruciating pain in her back. And yet, every time she had opportunity, she was speaking, she was ministering, she was traveling. And she just recently went to be with Jesus. And she was holding her daughter's hand, and with the other hand upstretched to heaven, she left this life and went into the presence of the Lord. But she understood her assignment. And she understood that retirement wasn't a part of her assignment. One thing that every believer needs to know is your personal purpose. Why are you here? My wife often looks at me and says that. Why are you here? Now, there is a will of God for all of our lives. And I was excited to see the video. What's the video all about? The video is exciting because someone says the will of God for my life is to be Holy Spirit filled. And they gave a testimony about receiving Holy Spirit baptism and, 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 speak, and having a, a prayer language and speaking in tongues. All of us were, the will of God for all of us is to be saved. The will of God for all of us is to reflect Jesus through the fruit of the Spirit in our life. The will of God for all of us is to walk in, in a daily time with Him and, and all of that. So we all know that those, that's the general will 
will of God for everyone in this room. No one's accepted. We're all to have that in our life, and that's wonderful. But going beyond that, let me just remind you that there's a specific assignment over your life, an individual assignment peculiar to you. God has a plan for your life. Listen to me, children, or or rather parents. When you're raising your children, remind them of this all the time. This is something that we want to be constantly kind of ministering to our children and saying, God's got a plan for your life. You just gave them a whooping, but God's got a plan for your life. You know? It's like my mom used to say to me, you know, take this pill. God's got a plan for your life. Your, your little ADD problem, it'll, it'll settle down. God's got, a, God's got a plan for your life that only you can fulfill. As I was praying for my children this morning, one of the things I prayed, my, my children are all old and all of that, but I, as I was praying for them this morning, I was praying, Lord, whoever has an assignment to minister to my kids today, I pray that they'll fulfill their assignment. I pray that my kids, whatever their assignment is today, they will fulfill their assignment. There's an assignment going on all the time in our lives. The other day in my office, a lady came in. She's in her, probably in her mid-80s and struggling physically. And I've heard her talk about this several times, lots of times. And, you know, I've seen her have good days and bad days. And so she's leaving the office and she says, hey, don't forget to pray for me. Well, friends, I was busy. I was just doing my own thing. You know, when you only work an hour a day, you know, you want to make that one count. And so I was, I was there, and, uh, and, and, and immediately the Spirit of God just spoke to me and said, pray for her now. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you later, or you know, if I think about it, or whatever. And so I, so I called her back and said, hey, well, let's just pray right now. Listen, friends, I, felt no, I, I didn't have any splatter in my bladder. I didn't have any uh, you know, quiver in my liver. I didn't have any shake, rocking, and roll. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel this thing coming up like this, like this, the screen. I, I, know, I, I missed that part. I, I must have been away that day in school. And, and, and so I missed all of that. And I, I, I just said, come on over. And so I'm sitting in my chair, and finally I stood up, and we just laid our hands on her and, and prayed a kind of perfunctory, what I would call even a perfunctory prayer. I mean, I was sincere, but I, it, it wasn't, you know, something you expect from, you know, Smith, Smith Wigglesworth or something. I just, I just prayed and, and went on with my life. Later that day, she sends me a text. She said, I've had the best day I've had, and, and, and I can't tell you how long. And, she said, and, she, and then she started to list all the things she did. And, and as a result of, of what she felt like God was touching her. Listen to me, friends. Every one of us has a daily assignment. Every one of us has a specific role to play in somebody else's life. And God's coming along and saying, hey... I want you to be sensitive enough to me to hear my voice. Listen to me. It's not about your emotions. It's not about your abilities. It's about your willingness to be obedient to the known will of God. So here are some great questions to ask. Do you you know that you have a faith assignment? Do you know the specifics of your faith assignment? Do you have a personal plan to reach your faith assignment? What's preventing you from activating your faith assignment? What's preventing you? You see, my wife could have heard that sermon that day, and she could have said, well, that's interesting. I think I should get my, uh, my master's degree, but then go on with her life and just, and just kind of forget all about it. No, she took every step she could to get my money to get that degree. <laughs> and has never, never offered to pay it back, I might add. 
So we'll give Jesus, we'll, here's a good question. Hey, if you activate your faith assignment, will you give Jesus all the glory? Will Jesus get all the glory for it? Will you have faith in God to launch out in your assignment? There's this interesting kind of progression, biblically, of Moses led the people out of slavery into Egypt. And by his side was the young man named Joshua. The young man Joshua had the DNA of a deliverer in him. Why did he have the DNA of a deliverer? Because he hung out with a deliverer. He hung out with Moses. He was very defensive of Moses. You read various parts, parts of the story, and I tell you, Moses had a, a, not only a good friend and, and, a, and a mentee, but he had somebody who was actually sometimes even defensive for him. And Joshua had the DNA of a deliverer, and he had the DNA of a conqueror in him. He was not interested in the status quo. You read about it in Numbers chapter 13. Moses gave Joshua a whole new name. And what name did he give him? The name Joshua, meaning the Lord is my salvation, from which the name Jesus is derived. And so you can see that, that, that the line of Moses, Moses himself being a deliverer and a conqueror, he raises up another deliverer and a conqueror, and that deliverer and a conqueror becomes one who, who, who foretells one who would be the ultimate deliverer and a conqueror, Jesus himself. And as a young man, Moses sent out Joshua with 11 others, and two of the 12 that were sent out became conquerors and deliverers. The other 10 became filled with, with reticence and fear and unbelief, and as a result, did not enter into their promised land. And God had to hold off Joshua, and God had to hold off Caleb, and God had to hold off the whole, whole country and the whole nation of Israel, literally millions of people for 40 years, until they were ready to take the new territory and be led by somebody with a, a, a DNA of a conqueror and a deliverer. They had the dream of taking Canaan, but it was delayed by doubt and fear. It's interesting how many times, and I deal with pastors all the time, and one of the things that I'll hear from pastors is, you know, I believe God wants our church to do this, but there's this group that doesn't want this, and there's that group that wants this, and then there's Sister Gut Rocks and Sister Thunder Muffin who are saying this, and there's, there's all these different factions and groups, and they're constantly kind of, you know, sometimes rowing with each other and rowing with me, and, and, and I, know, I, don't, I don't sense that, that I'm going to be able to lead these people because, listen to me, friends, don't get stuck in the wilderness. Get stuck rather behind an individual who will lead the congregation, who will lead the church as a conqueror and a deliverer, as one who will lead us on to victory. That's the kind of people we want to follow. You don't have to agree with everything, but you do have to say, hey, we have a corporate assignment over our lives, and the corporate faith assignment we have is greater than my own personal ambitions or my likes or my dislikes. Why is that? Because we have the DNA of a deliverer in our lives and the DNA of a deliverer in our churches. Well, it's interesting that the group that stayed in the wilderness, they had so much doubt, they had a fear to conquer. The Bible refers to this as a stubborn refusal. Do you know you can choose to believe or not? Some people say, I just can't believe it. No, no, you actually can believe if you want to. You can believe some of the stuff some of you believe. You can believe whatever you want to believe. 
Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. It's not that they couldn't believe. It's because they wouldn't believe. The real question for us is, will you believe God? And by believing God, will you have faith in God for your assignment? And what is, what is the evidence of your faith in God for your assignment? Your obedience to Him. As you're raising those children, as you're working in that workplace, as you're ministering in that church, as you're leading in that community, whatever it is that God has for you, will you believe God for your personal assignment and walk in obedience to it? Or will you have a stubborn refusal to believe, oh, that can't happen, oh, if you don't understand, I got this obstacle, I got this thing going on. We came to the United States 30 years ago, next February, 30 years ago, and you know how the country's gone down since then. And... And, 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 and we came, and, and I remember coming, and I said to the Lord, Lord, if I can raise half of my support, and I came as a, working with a missions agency, if I can raise half of my support um, and go live in the city of Miami, I will, uh, by the time I raise half of my support, I will, I will leave in faith, believing you'll raise the rest. And I was so dumb. I thought you could live in Miami on $24,000 a year. <laughs> That's stupid. That's the dumbest. And so I, 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 I raised $12,000. I had $12,000 of income promised to me. And so we made our way down the highway. And of course, after I got here, I remember one gentleman, he, 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 he committed $50 a month to our ministry. And that was a great blessing, and I was really wonderful, and I got my first check from him, and it bounced, and it cost me $25 to pay for the bounced check, and I never got another one after, so that, that, that commitment cost me $25. I can tell you about all the, all the obstacles, but you know what? We just kept stepping out, and I watched how God supernaturally provided. My, my faith wasn't just in saying, yeah, I know God can. My faith was, I know God will. And I was obedient to the will of God. And I remember the day I was sitting at my desk at home and I was working with my personal finances and, and I realized that I had made 40-some thousand dollars that year. I was just absolutely shocked that I, I, had, I had raised that kind of money to, 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 to live in, in Miami. All I'm saying to you is this, that you, your personal assignment relates to your willingness to obey God and step out in faith and touch, your, and, and touch those around you with the gospel of Jesus Christ, with the love of Christ, with the good things of God. And it's because that's a personal assignment he has for you. And in faith and obedience, you obey him and you step out. And God makes it happen. So God sequesters the whole family, the whole church, the whole ministry team to the desert, to the desert so the doubting generation would die off and a new generation would rise up. I've seen this happen in churches where God just allows the church to die. Do you know that God sometimes actually decertifies churches? Read about it in Revelation chapter 2 and Revelation chapter 3 where he says, I'm going to take your candlestick. He decertifies. The, the IRS may call you a church. The 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 the, the, the congregants who come together may call it a church. You may call the building a church. You may do all. But God comes along and he decertifies the church. Why? Because they walk in disobedience and they walk in a lack of faith. And they're no more a church than the Rotary Club is a church. They just call themselves a church. 
I say it's time for the church to be what? To be the church. To be the ones who are the deliverers and the conquerors. The ones who know their assignment. Who walk after the things of God. Well, after several years of being in the land, there was a problem. They actually did get going after 40 years, didn't they? And they actually went into the promised land. And actually five of the 12 tribes of Israel made it to their spot. But after several years, there was a problem. They had set up the tabernacle. That's that big tent deal. They set it up in a city called Shiloh. The country was under control. But seven Israelite tribes had not yet received their inheritance. Listen, and it's going to appear on the screen. So this is what it says. Joshua said to the Israelites, How long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land the Lord your God, your, of God of your ancestors, has given you? How long? The question that the Spirit of God began to ask them through, through, through Joshua. Joshua is saying, listen, I'm not interested in us just having five-twelfths of the, of, of, of the promised land. I want us to have the full promised land. And I'm wondering why the rest of you are feeling so comfortable just kind of sitting here. And he says, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send out a whole group of you, and I'm going to make you spies, and I'm going to get you to check out the places we haven't yet conquered. Huh, isn't that kind of familiar to you? Isn't that what Moses did with Joshua? Now Joshua is doing that with others, and he's holding them accountable. Notice this. He's holding them accountable. And notice this, beloved brothers and sisters. The Spirit of God is saying to some of you today, I'm holding you accountable for your assignment. What is it that God has given you to do? What is it that he's asked you to step out in faith and believe him for? It was a matter of obedient faith so their assignment could be completed. And Joshua was absolutely chagrined that those under his leadership had yet to take the territory God had given him. Remember the DNA of Joshua? DNA of Joshua was what? He was a deliverer. He was a conqueror. He was raised with a deliverer and a conqueror. He wasn't happy to see the job not even half completed yet. And he says, listen, we've got to get this job done. So they gathered around the temple, the tabernacle, and he sends these people out. Can I make that there's two implications here? Number one, God has expectations of his people. Do you know that God has expectations of us? Some of us think that we've done God a favor just by showing up today. And after listening to me preach, it probably is a favor for you to be here today. I realize that. But can I just submit to you that God has expectations for you? Dads, God's got expectations for you. Granddads, God's got expectations for you. We, because of Bethany going to the United States uh, FBI Academy in Quantico, we have her husband and her two children uh, living with us. You can take any 10 kids in this room and put them all together and how much talking they would do would not equal the talking of my granddaughter. It is absolutely ungodly. I mean, you could be having a discussion on cold nuclear fusion and she has, a, she has an opinion on it at four years old. And the other day she was just talking one 
bit of foolishness after another sitting beside me, and we're eating, and she's just talking, just, and, 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 and if there's other people talking, she's got to be talking louder than them, and, and, and if you're talking, she's got to get louder so she can get, and, 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 and she's just, and, and I just feel like saying, shut up! Clues, your pie hole, stop talking. Because, but I'm her grandfather, so I don't. I ask my wife to tell her that. And so she's talking to me, and then she starts coughing. But she doesn't stop talking long enough to cough. She can cough and talk at the same time. And so she is coughing and talking, and she is spinning on me. And the air, and I can just think of, you're, you know, what are you, a little Petri dish for COVID? And then it, ah! So I turned my head away. Well, she's not happy with that. So her little hand is just going, Grampy, 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 Grampy. Look, you disease bag, I don't want your disease. I wonder why my daughter went away for five months. It's actually for psychiatric care, I'm sure. God has expectations for his people. And he desires our faith assignment to be brought under his kingly control. Here's the question. You may say, I know my assignment. I know I have an assignment. Parents, grandparents... Leaders in the community, listen to me, dads, don't give this all over to your wife. Listen to me, granddads, don't give this all over to, your, to the grandmother. Hey, you have an assignment. I've got an assignment for the next five months, and that's to influence my grandchildren and my son-in-law with the things of God, to see God move in their life in a powerful way. You've joined me in the assignment. You're going to pray for, for my daughter. I'm so grateful. Thank you for doing that. Hey, that needs to be under God's kingly control. And you know what God did? He reminded them that they were in disobedience. Joshua says, how long will you wait before you even begin to take possession of the land? How long will you wait before you begin? Can I tell you, this is an ongoing process. This isn't a once-in-a-lifetime deal. I, just have, I didn't just live by faith in 1993 when I, lived, when I came to America. I've been endeavoring by God's grace to live by faith, and almost all of that time since then, I have had to trust God for my personal income. Now, it's very obvious I haven't missed too many meals. And God has been so good to me, and He's blessed us. But you know what? I live constantly. I don't care if you work for the most secure company in America. You still live by faith. You still walk by faith. God still has a place for you to have a faith assignment, an assignment of obedience. A lack of obedient faith causes us to miss out on our God-given faith assignment, resulting in us and others around us missing out on God's agenda. If I don't take my responsibility that I have at my home for the next five months to, to influence my grandchildren, who will? If I don't take the assignment that God gave me the other day in praying for the lady in my office and, and just letting her walk away and say, oh yeah, we'll pray for you, and then of course I don't think about it for three weeks, hey, who will take the assignment? My question is, who can replace you? You're irreplaceable in your assignment. And so I encourage you 
that you begin to realize that this is just the beginning of what God wants to do. Well, they were told to figure it out. And then you can read about what they did in chapters 18 to 22. But here's what's interesting. Look at Joshua chapter 23. Joshua chapter 23, it says this, After a long time had passed, and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies. In other words, they went out and did what Joshua told them to do. Joshua by then was a very old man. He summons all of Israel, their elders, their leaders, their judges and officials. And he said to them, I'm very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Notice this, friends. Notice that Joshua comes along and says, listen, you, yeah, it's been done. Look, look at all what's happened in these last several chapters, which of course represented many, many years. As they finally broke through and they began to possess that's the whole land that God... Well, look at the focus here, however, is this. That's God's the one that did it. He gets all the glory when I fulfill my ministry assignment. He challenged them in chapter 18 to take the land, but he gives all the glory to God in chapter 23 when it's done. Can I tell you, and can I argue for a Christocentric philosophy of leadership? Can I argue for a Christocentric philosophy of, of, of getting the job done, of having your personal faith assignment? This isn't about Jowdry. This is about Jesus. This isn't about my ability. It's about his supernatural ability. This isn't about me making it happen. It's about me leaving myself at his disposal so he can work through me and he makes it happen. It's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And so... God gives the assignment, we respond in faith-filled obedience, we accomplish the assignment, he gets all the glory. Jesus says, without me, in John chapter 15 and 5, you can finish it. Without me, you can do nothing. Here's what he says. He says, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. He says this later in chapter 23. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. Can I say to you something? Listen to me. This is a prophetic word for somebody, maybe for several. To this day, no one will be able to withstand you. There will become a time in, in 10 years when, when, when you'll look back and that word will become resonant in your life Well, somebody will say, up to this point, no one's been able to withstand you. Why? Because the presence and the power of God has been working through your life. And again, I, I, not intending to embarrass Pastor Micah, but can I just submit to you that, that, that there's been some obstacles, I'm sure. There's been some days of, of difficulty and, and, and discouragement, I'm sure. But I can tell you this, there's very few people and there's very few men in America that are doing what this man and his team are doing. And to, up to this day, no one's been able to withstand them. God has been in it. God has been empowering them. God has been doing what others could never do. Why? Because he says, my personal faith assignment is open to the Lord. He gets all the glory because God does all the work. All we do is walk in obedience. And so he says, up until this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routes a thousand. I love this. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you, just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. Now I'm about to go the way of the earth. He says, I'm about to die. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of the good promises the Lord your God has given you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Not one has failed. 
And I look back over my 30 years living in America, and we've had some days. But not one of the good promises of the Lord has failed me. I remember buying a house in Miami when I, did, I needed 25% down because I, according to them, I didn't have a job. I didn't have a secure, social security number. I remember filling out, and I don't, I don't recommend this, and maybe I shouldn't say this now that possibility my daughter might become a federal agent. Maybe I'm going to get arrested for mortgage fraud. And it kept asking me for my social security number and all this stuff. And I didn't have an American social security number. The guy says, well, do you have one in Canada? I said, yes. He said, just write it in. He said, how many digits is this? I said, nine. He's the same as ours. Ours got nine. Yours got nine. Write it in. So everywhere I wrote my Canadian social security number. Social, in Canada called social insurance number. Sin. Social insurance number. And then my wife was going to be the co-borrower with me, but she wasn't even in the United States. By the way, I went, guys, I want to tell you something. I run my house. <laughs> I, went, I, went to, I went to Miami from Canada. I looked at the house. I said, that's the house we want. I bought the house. She didn't have one word to say about it. Yeah, I know you're jealous. I don't even think I took a picture of it because I, you know, we went back to Canada. I applied for the mortgage. She's supposed to be applying with the mortgage with me. Well, she can't sign because she's not there. This is before DocuSign and all that. So I just wrote her name everywhere. Just wrote her name. Everywhere. You wouldn't believe her, why her credit score is so low. <laughs> and I just signed my name everywhere. And we bought a house paying 25%. I, I didn't have 25% down. The guy comes to me. The guy comes to me and says, you, you, this deal's not going to work. I said, yeah, because I'm, I'm about $2,500 short. And he says, oh. Oh, that's what the Lord meant. And he was a believer. And he gave me his commission. So I could buy the house. See, he had an assignment that day. So I could fulfill my assignment. So I could be in somebody else's assignment. I have a million stories I could tell you. And I know you, you want to get to the restaurant before the Baptist, so. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you one story. Just going to, going to tell you one story. I've got a whole bunch some of them are true. The church bus. I don't, I don't, if I told you this story, just tell me if I told you. Sometimes I get confused. The church bus leaves to go on the youth event. It's back in the mid-1980s. For whatever reason, the church bus did not have fuel they run out of gas on the interstate 
And so all the young people get off the bus and they're waiting for somebody to deliver because it doesn't have air conditioning. It's in outside of uh, now near Tampa, Florida, near actually near Sarasota. And they're all standing out. A drunk driver comes up the road and he rams into the bus and the bus actually tumbles over and kills three of the young people, one of whom was the pastor's son. And great grief and great sorrow enveloped that church, but also the lawsuits started to come. And over a period of several years, the lawsuits made their way through the courts, and the church had to pay these incredible settlements to these grieving families. And as a result, the church was going bankrupt. It was a church that was focused on the down and outers to begin with. It was focused on, you know, people who were, had addiction issues and things of that nature. And one day the pastor was encouraging the congregation. Congregation, here's where you are. If you can help, I'd sure appreciate it if you could help. Here's where we are, congregation. One lady comes to the pastor afterward and she says, Pastor, my husband is not saved. He won't, he won't let me give 10 cents to the church. He's, he, just, that's, he just won't. And I, I can't, and I can't help. And I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And the pastor said, I understand. It's all right. We're going to believe God for your husband, but why don't you just win somebody to Jesus? And so she decides, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to win somebody to Jesus. On the way home from church that day, she had seen this street person on the street all the time. Seen him many, many times. He was addicted. He was on drugs. You know, it was a whole deal. He was the stereotypical street person. And she finally just pulled her car over and stopped. And she had a tract. And she prayed with him and prayed for him. And he didn't just go through the motions. He actually started to really gravitate to what she was saying. He didn't just say, blah, blah, blah. Now can you give me 20 bucks? I mean, he, he really... And then she calls him back and she starts to disciple him. The next Sunday, he's in church. And then he starts coming to church midweek. And then he, start, and he just serves the Lord. She did exactly what the pastor told him to do. Speed ahead a year. And finally, the church is at the point where they've now made the, the bank has now set the date. They would close the door. Now, folks, this is not urban legend. I know the people who are involved in this story. They were going to close the door on this specific date. And they said, you know, we're going to put the locks on. You know, the, the building will belong to the bank. The church understood. And they were looking for a new temporary facility, etc. About a week before that date was set, the pastor gets a call from the president of the bank and says, could you come over to my office? Could you meet me here at 2 o'clock? And he thought, isn't that nice of him? He's going to tell me that, hey, I'm sorry. He's going to give me a courtesy call. He's going to, he's going to express some regret. He's going to kind of pat me on the back and wish me well. And the pastor appreciated the sentiments. It just wasn't cold banker, but it was at least a guy with a heart. And so he goes over, 
And he's standing in the bank president's office, and the bank president says, I think you better sit down. So he says, okay. He sits down. And the bank president says to him, I don't know how to tell you this. And he thought, isn't that nice? He's struggling. You know, kind of good enough for him, you know, he's struggling. He goes, I don't know how to tell you this, but he says, you do not owe us one penny. Your debt has been totally erased. We will not be taking the church next week. In fact, you do not owe us anything. The church has been fully paid. And the pastor looked at him and said, how can that be? He said, well, somebody in your congregation has taken care of it. He said, how can that be? I have no one in my congregation who's able to do that kind of thing. I don't have anybody in my congregation like that. He said, well, I want to assure you, the guy who did this, when he coughs, when he sneezes, unlike my granddaughter, when he sneezes, he sneezes $1,000. That's the kind of cold I'd like to get. And, and, and my pastor said, I, I don't get it. I, there's, there's nobody in my church like that. And after they talked and they just chatted a little bit and it just kind of came around and kind of around. Remember the lady who couldn't tithe? She wins the guy on the street. The guy on the street was a multi, multi skazillionaire and had just observed his one year birthday with Jesus said, I want to give Jesus a gift. And the gift he gave was he paid off the church that had been so influential in seeing him get off the streets. Somebody took their assignment. Somebody took their assignment. And everyone in this room, from the youngest child to the oldest adult, you've got an assignment. Would you in faith believe God that he'll use you. For those of you who have children and grandchildren and maybe they're not where they ought to be with Jesus, would you begin to pray for the person who's got the assignment for your children? You don't know who they are, but I know somebody's got an assignment for my kids and my grandkids. I know somebody's got an assignment for my family members. I know somebody has an assignment, it may be me, and I don't want to miss my assignment in somebody else's life. You see, I can talk about faith for healing, and I can talk about faith for finances, and I can talk about faith for any one of a number of things, but would you talk about faith for your assignment? God's got it for you. Sir, madame, God has it for you. I don't care if you're 80 or 8 or 108. There's an assignment for you. in the mighty name of Jesus how many of you just bow in humility before the Lord and just say Lord I plant myself at your disposal for the assignment you have for me men, women, moms, dads grandparents children, young people, in the name of Jesus we say, Lord, let us walk in faith for our assignment. Let us walk in obedience for what you've given us to do. 
even today in the next 12 hours some of you will be activated in your assignment and in faith would you obey would you in faith lay your hands on that sick person and would you in faith give that gift would you in faith witness to that person would you in faith obey the spirit of God as he speaks How many all over this room say, I know God has an assignment for me? Hands raised all over this room, I know God has an assignment for me. All over this room, I know God has an assignment for me. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I now commission, I now commission the ministers and, and the ministries of this church. And I now com- I commission even this church's ministry in this community that one day, 20 years from now, 30 years, 100 years from now, somebody will look back and say, I've accomplished my assignment. And my assignment was fulfilled even through the ministry of this body of believers. I thank you for it, Lord. Now receive the the anointing and the touch of heaven. Put your hands in the receiving position. And now receive the anointing and the touch of heaven for your assignment today. Receive courage. Receive peace. This is not about whether you can pray or can't pray. Can you be obedient? Parents, you have an assignment. Grandparents, you have an assignment. Church, you have an assignment. You have the the DNA of a conqueror and a deliverer in your life. Receive it now in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Let's stand. Hmm. Receive your assignment. Go out in peace. Touch somebody else's life. Minister to those around you. And I'm going to tell you something. It's going to happen within the next 12 hours. Many of you are going to get, you're going to hear something. You're going to feel prompted to do something. You're going to be, feel prompted to send, a, to send an email. Make sure it's nice. Or you're going to be prompted to make a phone call, do a visit. You're, somebody's going to come across your path. There's, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Happens to me. I'll be traveling this afternoon, and, and tomorrow I'll be in, in Springfield, Missouri. And, and it happens to me when I'm traveling. It happens to me just with all kinds of times and all kinds of places where God will put me in proximity to people. I was with somebody, I don't even know who, I don't even know what it was, just in the last 48 hours. Somebody didn't even know, hey, oh, I know, I was, I was fishing. There was a guy there fishing. And he was just telling me some stuff. My little assignment was to pray with him before he left, asking God to intervene and reveal himself. going to happen. And church, it's happening to you as a group. Come on, somebody. It's happening to you as a group. You have a group assignment. Now go out in the peace and the joy of Jesus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and Holy Spirit.